think about the, the young college student, his first year in college, most people have to stay in the dormitory. And whenever they do, right next to their bed is their nightstand, which actually probably is a mini fridge. And so as they're leaning up against their pillow with a night light on from their nightstand, there is a compressor and a motor that causes this hum and vibration, which the body not only feels, but hears. And so you're taken away from the optimized learning environment of the person who is trying to gather in more data because you have all this stuff going on around them. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangel. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the second part of my interview with Alan R. Brunton. Yeah, it's a really interesting technology too. So for autism, you're thinking what, that it is able to get sounds more efficiently into the brain in order for them to be processed more easily because it's extra, it's like overstimulation that's the major problem? That's part of it. And like I said, what we're doing with our reduction or our filterization of the white noise is that we are reducing a lot of that input. Now, when you're looking, let's say, at a, uh, let's say, a crosscut of a nerve cell and how round it is, what we're doing then is finding ways to be able to expand that whole area using those frequencies, but also then sending the signal through the center of that, that vein. And that seems to be um, working very well, not just with autism, but with anybody who is subjecting themselves to digital audio. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Think about it this way. When you're driving down the street and you're looking for an address, what's the first thing you do? You turn down the volume on the radio. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> or whenever you were smaller you're in the backseat of the car with your brother or sister and you're, you're playing around and mom or dad turns around and says, be quiet. I can't think. It's right. They can't because there's so much there that is interfering with the cognition of the brain. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. And something that I hadn't thought about before you mentioned it. So yeah, really interesting. <laughs> so sort of going a little on to um, how you experience sound, because I know what you're what you're doing with sound is very revolutionary. But how do you think people can get better sound in their recordings? I mean, I don't think that there is any recording software or any environment we could be in that wouldn't produce white noise, right? So how can we do the best we can before this software comes into play? <laughs> well, uh, you always have to look at your entire environment, and that is a learning um, scale that so many people don't think about at what you just talked about. I mean, think about the, the young college student, his first year in college, most people have to stay in the dormitory. And whenever they do, right next to their bed is their nightstand, which actually probably is a mini fridge. 
And so as they're leaning up against their pillow with a night light on from their nightstand, there is a compressor and a motor that causes this hum and vibration, which the body not only feels, but hears. And so you're taken away from the optimized learning environment of the person who is trying to gather in more data because you have all this stuff going on around them. Yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> always, actually, just about always. So that yeah. that's one thing, you know, people just really need to be able to learn about everywhere they go. I mean, every grocery store, um, every concert, every, you know, work environment that you subject yourself to. Being outside on, on New York City street, you've got all of this pollution that just causes people not to be able to think properly. And that's another reason why that we need to uh, continue to go about uh, being aware of what we are subjecting ourselves to. Yeah, very good point. And I've definitely spoken to people previously on this podcast that talk about that sort of environment that we need to be careful of, because noise pollution is as much a problem as anything right now, especially, and especially in hospitals, actually, we just had conversations about that. Because there's all this beeping and humming and, and notifications and alarms and such that happen in hospitals that are not conducive to helping people heal. Yeah, I've, I've actually, uh, besides one Grammy Hall of Fame member who was blown away by our technology, listening to his own digital master, um, I've got the, um, another uh, musician, a professional harpist, who is a certified uh, music therapist. And she takes her harp into uh, hospice centers and recovery areas and plays that solo instrument uh, to be able to put people into a more open environment instead of the clicking and the banging and, and all the beeping of, of everything. Um, and so I took, and she has seven CDs out, and I took one of her CDs and ran it through our software and emailed it back to her. She called me back in five minutes and said, Alan, I could feel the difference in 20 seconds. Wow. But then again, that's what she does. She is just so in tune to all the sounds specifically into her entire central nervous system with the hands going. She's one entire mechanism. But that's what she does is she really analyzes all of her environment. And the sound is exactly what that is. Same. So, yeah, we've got a lot of people that uh, are, you know, wanting to to get into it, but they're just waiting for other people to get into. Now, last week I did have a, a meeting with a, well, let's I can't say what the name of the company is right now, but let's just say that they have over 100 million users at this time that could uh, be using our technology. So. They're running that up the flagpole through their R&D facilities to find out if, if we can uh, do a deal with each other and get this out to millions and millions of people immediately. Fascinating. Yeah. And good luck on that. I hope it goes really well. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast, like Pamela Muldoon, who says, audio as part of your marketing strategy. I could not agree more with Jody's assessment that audio branding is the hidden gem of marketing. 
Now more than ever, how your brand sounds is becoming just as important as it looks and feels. The short, succinct episodes of this podcast, and I think she's referring to my solo episodes, are filled with nuggets, easy to listen to, that voice, thank you very much, and are perfect for binging. Nice work, Jody. Well, thank you, Pamela. It means a lot to me that you're getting some good information here. Thanks again for the review. And now, back to the show. Along those lines, uh, what do you think is the future for all of this? And not just for for Cymatrax, but also like the future of sound. Like, where do you feel that that's going to be going? Well, if you go back to Edgar Casey, yeah, yeah, Edgar Casey with all that's of going the back. focus. Yeah. <laughs> He actually did, one of his famous quotes is, the medicine of the future is going to be sound and frequency. And so it's coming about right now. There is a company based out of um, Israel called NovoCure that's been around for about, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years now. Uh, they uh, raised $64 million of private funding from T. Rowe Price, mainly from the Russian Jewish community. Uh, but they also did an IPO and raised another $120 million. And their, what their technology is that they have showed positive response and for curing uh, glioblastoma, uh, killing cancer brains using sound therapy. Wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, killing those, those, those brain cells that do have the cancer cell. Anyway, no, so they're actually all over the United States right now in many more hospitals doing many more clinical trials. And so between that, uh, I have so many postings on my Cymatrax Facebook page where people can read about these other clinical trials. I mean, it's being used now then for um, pain management. It's being used for blood flow circulation, it's being used for so many health benefits. But if we just get, just think about it, if you are aware of what you're subjecting yourself to, you'll be able to think better and clearer. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what we subject ourselves to on a daily basis. <laughs> and and that is uh, part of the uh, uh, of the mission statement of Cymatrax is that we are here to raise the human potential. I love it. Yeah. How do you think people could help themselves hear better, I guess? If, if we're talking about Cymatrax helping them to be able to get more information from what they're hearing with less distraction, then, uh, then what do you think we could do for ourselves on a daily basis to keep ourselves from being overly distracted, you know, besides using Cymatrax. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, there is one company that we're talking to. Uh, there's a couple of others we have up on our, uh, my tech team's uh, war room, all the whiteboards that go around it. We do have a version of putting this out as an app so that when people download the Cymatrax app, they could then run any type of streaming media through it and so that anything they were listening to from then on would be able to be uh, uh, filtered and give them an optimized way of thinking and, and more energy. So we're working on that aspect of it, but uh, we, could, we could also then be used uh, to get to people more efficiently as a plugin for a streaming media company like, uh, like YouTube or Spotify. 
So the premium users could actually just go into their settings, flip a switch, and boom, it would start filtering everything they're listening to. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you were working on right now, uh, but you've kind of already told me. If <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the understanding of how sound moves matter, and anybody who goes to YouTube and pulls up cymatics, they will see so many different versions of how people have found ways to be able to experiment themselves and make matter move with, uh, with sound. Everybody has seen the um, the examples that uh, there's a, a, a rock group, I think it was like 10 or 12 years ago that came out with a, uh, one called Cymatics and I forgot the name of the band, but it's got like over, I don't know, 50 or hundred million views. So many times it's been on where they take a, a stereo speaker, lay it on his back, put a metal plate on top, then they pour fine sand across, turn on an amplifier and turn on a frequency generator. And if you look really close at the horizon of that metal plate, you'll see the sand is bouncing up and down until they modulate to a specific frequency. And then that sand will turn into a geometric pattern. But it's not just two-dimensional, it's also three-dimensional. It raises up. Well, that is, in a way, um, solidifying our understanding then of how the neurotransmitters can be formed also into a shape and be pushed forward to be able to move through the entire central nervous system much more efficiently. Yeah, that's it's a really interesting study. I've actually seen a performance of someone doing that with a music uh, video. That was really fascinating to see. Yeah, it's it's amazing what can be done with just sound. <laughs> yeah, there's a a company out in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, oh, I forgot the name of. Uh, of their company, but uh, they've been doing so many tests using it on different kinds of liquids. And uh, there's a gentleman over in England who who developed a high-powered microscope called the Cymoscope that's actually able to observe this much more efficiently on a three-dimensional picture uh, of a cross balance instead of just looking down at it. And they were fascinated trying to figure out ways of doing it with blood on, on one of their last uh, experiments. And I, I just, I, I don't know why they, they stopped right there whenever, whenever you're looking at the way that to use the cymatic expression on the human body, um, I just don't know why they didn't uh, express it and try it with so many other different liquids, or in my case then using, um, the neurotransmitters as an example of how to be able to focus that stream of signals much more efficiently. But we're just a step ahead of them and, and we do keep in communication with each other quite a bit. Yeah. What would be the health implications of using that on blood? <laughs> what could you do with that? On blood in itself, I'm not quite sure. But if you understand that 85, and the CDC is reporting that 85% of all disease is caused by stress. If we reduce the stress, I mean, computer programmers, all they do is sit in front of a computer eight or nine or 10 hours a day wearing headphones in a dark room typing code. Well, if you can increase their output because you're taking away from that noise pollution, giving them better focused attention to work harder, faster, quicker, and easier. I mean, and plus, 
Less stress means less sick days. What would that be worth to a company like Google that, that employs 5,000 computer programmers? Yeah, probably a lot. <laughs> I would imagine a lot, yes. So that, that's what I'm saying. Everybody sits down. I mean, over 5 billion people listen to digital audio every day. I'm just going, I'm here to clean it up for them and, and let people evolve into their own potential. We yeah. already, we, we know about things like telekinesis, remote viewing, um, ESP and, and, and things. We have documentation of that kind of stuff happening. Well, we can't say it's, it's just, um, you know, an anomaly because we have documentation of it. We know that it's something we can't define and reproduce yet. So why not then look at it and say, okay, why are we only using 10 to 12% of our brains? Well, it's because they're sitting there vibrating without any type of real focused attention of which way to go and how to be more efficient. Really interesting. Yeah, I can sort of see where you're going with that. Yeah. So hopefully, Cymatrax will help them concentrate so they can use more of their brain. <laughs> Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. It's uh, an interesting study, and I, I really I commend you for doing it because it sounds like it's uh, immensely successful, and I hope that more people start employing it. It's a, a really interesting technology. Yeah, and, and because it does actually, from understanding what cymatics does, it, it's what my, my future for this, as after I'm dead and gone, is that um, I believe that we'll be able to use high-powered pinpoint laser-focused sound frequency in a way to go in and modulate DNA. Uh, like the telomeres at the end of each strand of, of DNA, uh, one of the precursors of those uh, showing an end of life is that those telomeres get shorter in length or they start to curl up. Well, if we can use sound and frequency to be able to bathe those and keep those open, ergo longer life, and then also inside of the DNA, we used to call half of the DNA junk DNA because we didn't know what it was. We didn't realize that those things that were operating within the DNA were actually switches. You could have the cancer gene, but not have cancer. It's because the switch was off. Well, if the switch is on and you have some type of disease, why can't we use sound to turn the switch off? Good point. Yeah, why not? So many possibilities. Oh, my goodness. 
Well, thank you so much for for talking with me about this today. It's really fascinating, Alan. Thanks. <laughs> it has been my sincere pleasure. And um, anytime anybody has any questions, they can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or even just send a message to info at cymatrax.com. I was going to ask you how people could get in touch. So there you go. You did my job for me. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.